Greetings sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. This is Steve Ferguson along with our co-host Brad Moore and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation on 88.1 Catholic Radio. Brad, we're going to start our show talking a little Siouxland sports, and uh, we got a lot to talk about with uh, Big Ten football and sport, college sports roundup tonight, and kind of a tough, uh, tough weekend for our uh, some of our area teams that we've been chatting about: the Healing Crusaders, East High, and Dakota Valley, all lost games. And uh, you had mentioned that uh, before that one of the strengths of Healing football this year has been their defensive backs, and and Lamar's had quite the quarterback coming in, I believe. Uh, our last show, we talked about like 20 TDs, no interceptions. Yeah, 70% completion rate, wow. threw for over 1,500 yards. I did, you know, I saw those stats, so I had to go to uh, uh, the internet, see if I could get some film on him. And he's six foot two, well, you know, got a lot of poise, looked really good. I thought it was going to be a great challenge for Helan. Well, the, the, the boys uh, obviously stepped up and played well. And again, it's kind of been the, uh, the Achilles heel all year, you know, just a. Uh, a turnover or not having the right break and you know that's that's sports and uh you know but give you know hats off for healing to come out and compete and they got another tough one on the road going to storm lake storm lake's got a good football team and this district is really tough brand they've got a couple more games um you know play for pride like you said you yeah. know throw throw the jerseys on with pride on the back yeah i do it and uh, you know play for healing uh, it's time for these seniors to step up and say, you know, at the end of my football career is coming near, so, uh, you know, let's make it happen the last two. I, I'm a little outspoken on this topic, too. I just think it's a it's a travesty that the state of Iowa forced Heelan to take pride off their jerseys. It's kind of an institutional thing. It's one of the unique things about that. It's a private school. And I'd like to know what the penalty is. I heard rumors that it was something like, oh, you're going to be penalized three points. <laughs> so what? Or you'll be penalized uh, 15 yards in the kickoff. So what? Yeah. I think that's an advantage. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I don't know, Brad, but if I had any possible control, I'd put pride back on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So, so I had an opportunity last night. We were at a business dinner, and I was uh, sitting next to X. Keelan, great linebacker, uh, Morningside linebacker, Chris Cavillo. Oh, wow. And we were talking in depth about uh, Helan and and Helan football and Helan sports. And, you know, there's a lot of alumni out there that follow Helan sports very closely. Um, if they're not at the games, they're certainly listening to the games and, and they're reading about the games. And uh, there's an awful lot of Helan alums and the Helan community really – uh, pulling for Helan to have some success these last couple games. Cavillo didn't have too bad of a uh, final game in his career. In the championship game, he had over 20 tackles, I believe, in the national championship game. I, I actually saw it in a, in a pullout, um, uh, and a crazy, crazy player he was, an athlete. So uh, let's talk a little bit on volleyball. I want to, first of all, uh, I know the Kramer family from East, uh, Steve Kramer and his daughter, Chloe, just set the uh, the all-time assist leader at East High Volleyball with uh, 8,048. 8, she broke Alice and Petamex record. 
and she's been a three-year starter and a really nice player. And East High has got a very nice volleyball team. I think they're ranked in the top 15 in Class 4 and have had a good year over there. Certainly been some good players go through that program, so that's an impressive step. Yeah, that's a, that's a congratulations to uh, Chloe. And speaking of other great setters uh, in the Siouxland area, Allie Beersford from Dakota Valley uh, was named Siouxland Athlete of the Year. And that's a really good article in the, in the Sioux City Journal if you want to read that. Allie had a tough decision uh, coming into her senior at Dakota Valley. Parents, uh, dad had a you know lifetime opportunity to move to Cleveland, um, and uh, she's decided to stick behind and and play out her senior year. And and uh, guys, she's having a great year. Um, she's over 2,000 assists in her career there. She's got over 100 kills as a setter this year. Going to University of Sioux Falls, they were number one ranked. And uh, you know, Coach Miller made the made the recommend or the, made the uh, the comment, and she's coached some good ones that she's right up there with the best setter she's ever coached. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, too. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So uh, Dakota Valley, we it went up to that whole Western Christian tournament that, that we had chatted about, and, um, and, and and Crusaders were there, East High Black Raiders. Um, I think the Lamar's Bulldogs were there. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a who's who. Yeah, Western Christian, Sergeant Bluff, Luton. I think there were, were uh, three to four number one ranked teams somewhere in their class. Um, so Dakota Valley, very impressive tournament, five and one. But uh, how about Western Christian beating uh, number one ranked Sergeant Bluff? Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. Uh, that uh, that coach up there at Hull Western Christian is amazing, and uh, her teams are either dominant out of the gate or they just keep getting better. But they're always they're always up there. It's just a, an amazing uh, statistic to look at how much of an institution she is as a coach and how it translates into team year after year. They're playing for the state championship. Yeah, so Dakota Valley, I know that they were looking forward to this tournament to really see how they measured up, and I would say that they measure up very well. Yeah, yeah, they came out of it 5-1 and one and uh, beat some really, really good teams, and uh, I think that's going to really give them a lot of confidence as they head into district play coming up, and and I think the the big team that is in their way, possibly, others, I know there's some other good schools in South Dakota, but Sioux Falls Christian, and they did beat them once, so uh, they're going to be ready. Yeah, so they're 24-2. and two. Wow. Um, Good luck to them the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I, this is a great time of year in, in all aspects of sports. You know, college football is getting into it, and you're starting to figure things out. High school football is winding down towards district play. Volleyball is coming down to district play. And it's really what I think every every team in high school plays for. And we remember that as growing up in high school is that, yeah, you want to win the conference and you want to win your games, but everybody wants to go to state. And uh, no, And you never, you know, it's always one game you never know. And uh, everybody tries to play their best at the end of the season. So going to be a lot of fun to uh, to watch and see how everybody does here. Um, a couple other things, uh, uh, Brad, you know, uh, this, this past weekend, um, we, uh, uh, we were, I was out of town and uh, watching some, watching some uh, college football, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, in, in a little uh, a place in San Francisco. I was at an eye meeting there, and my son Tanner was with me. And uh, just a little interesting uh, tidbit, uh, in walks Bob Kraft, owner of the Patriots. And uh, Tanner's been a Tom, uh, Tom Brady fan forever and, of course, a Patriots fan. And he jumped up and, and actually had his picture taken with him, which is kind of interesting. But that was, uh, that was kind of our little uh, weekend highlight. So um, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, college football here uh, after the break, Brad. And uh, we'll be back shortly uh, on Two Guys and a Conversation. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And this is our uh, segment of our show that uh, Brad and I get a chance to, to just kind of have the uh, general discussion on topics we love. Uh, uh, and it's been Big Ten football, and why wouldn't it be? And, and uh, we call this part of our show uh, Steve and Brad's Room of Knowledge. And uh, I took the liberty of grabbing the pen, Brad, and I listed the top six uh, teams and starting with Ohio State anything up there that you'd like to change well first of all I'm going to change the the, the uh, segment to uh, House of Pain for me this <laughs> oh, year with Nebraska oh, I'm but with you though definitely got to keep Ohio State at number one uh, interesting Friday night matchup for them we'll see uh, you know Northwestern could that be a little bit of trap game Friday night at home Ohio State has a history of stubbing their toe once mm -hmm. a year I think they're too talented for that. I think the quarterback's too good. But yeah. uh, if anybody's going to trip them up, uh, a big upset, Friday night game at Northwestern might be the one. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, Fitzgerald, I mean, he's he's a crazy coach, and he always gets teams to play hard every single minute of every game, and that's what it takes to get an upset. Um, you know, Wisconsin just, you know, keeps on rolling. And, and uh, you know, I think that Northwestern maybe showed a little bit of the, uh, the recipe to slow them down. But yet they look, man, they look good. They, their defense looks so good. Yeah. So Wisconsin's up to number six, and and that's a little hard to believe that they just keep cruising along. Yeah. But you know their defense. You hear so much about their offense, but their defense is so good. Jonathan Taylor. I don't know how he stays so healthy. He, yeah. He's one of those Big Ten backs that uh, you know even if he's a little dinged up, he just keeps going. They always seem to have manageable uh, quarterbacks, and you know. I love that offensive line. You're yeah. in and you're yeah. out. I don't even know if those kids graduate. I think they change the name, keep the same bodies, well, and line them up. They're the best right now, I think, of the Big Ten offensive line. Totally. And you'd you you'd mentioned that at our very first show about Wisconsin's offensive line and how much you liked it, and they're proving it. And and as we get deeper into Big Ten football, Brad, it's all about that. It's all about that. As we as we come to our number three team, Penn State. And uh, who defeated the Hawkeyes, and, and it, you know it's it's just been like uh, this is a good part about sports. I mean, you're just depressed, dude. That Iowa game was the what ifs, but it really showcased Penn State was better interior defense against the guard play and center part of all Iowa's offensive line. As good as Iowa's offensive line is and defensive line supposed to be, you know, it, well they are good, and and isn't it just a, an example of what the Big Ten is like? Is and we said it from the beginning, if, if you do not have depth mm -hmm. and talent on the offense and defensive line yeah. in the Big Ten, I mean, it's a grind because week in, week out, you've got great athletes and yeah. big bodies that you got to contend with. Well, I totally agree. And you, you mentioned this depth thing, and, and there was a great article written by uh, one of the writers on the, on the Hawkeye uh, websites, and he said, hey, listen. The strength of Iowa football and, and Coach Ferentz's strength is offensive line coaching. And the question is now, with two of their guards that were starters were injured. Van Wert's out. He was started seven games last year. He played a little bit. He's out for the rest of the year. So he hasn't been playing. And then the walk-on shot, who started the first three games, missed. So they haven't had those two the last two games. They took an often left offensive tackle and moved him to right guard and never played that. And he made some serious mistakes, which, hey, you're going to do, but it cost a fumble, cost a sack. And it, against a Penn State, it only takes one or two plays in a game. One turnover. How often have you seen that this year where you get down to these games that are 
that are one possession games and they're they're low scoring and it all comes down to a penalty, mm-hmm. a turnover, and that's the difference. And you're seeing it in the Big Ten with the great defenses, Penn State, Iowa, um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and all those games. Yeah, Michigan's come down got a to good defense, end. although they didn't show it against Illinois. I mean, you know, that's again. Here's to your point: Can Northwestern defeat Ohio State? I think the Illinois-Michigan game was a three-point game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching, and then of course Michigan got a t- couple of quick, a uh, couple of quick scores. But that just points it out that you know Michigan's a dang good team, and they were almost on the ropes at Illinois. So if you look at, um, and I've believe me, I, with with Nebraska, I've been doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of studying and and thinking about the Big Ten. And if you look at the parity in the Big Ten, other than Ohio State, you know Ohio State has got superior yeah, talent, no doubt. And and you could maybe put Michigan and Penn State kind of a level above. And then there's everyone else, and, and the the injuries and the depth, or the the kids that come onto campus that are promising four stars that don't materialize, oh, yeah. and and all of a sudden your recruiting classes is dramatically changed. But you know, I just think that there's so much parity uh, with the rest of the group yeah. um, that anything can happen. So that's a that's a great thought. So. You get a class and you get six four stars, you know, and it's like, all right, and injury, and it doesn't work out. And then you're left with guys that are developmental players. Or Ohio State has 24 and five stars. So yeah. if the, this guy doesn't make it, the next guy's in. Alabama, the same way. They're, they typically just have an elite level of athlete, and then they just have to find out who's the best of those. And they don't have to go through the development process that an Iowa does. Uh, some of these other schools, and uh, and it, it shows up injuries, one or two injuries, big difference. Yeah. So at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, you have a five-star athlete that uh, gets injured, and you know what you do? You slide the next five-star yeah, exactly. athlete into his spot. Maybe he's got a, a year less experience, but yeah. that doesn't mean he's not and as, he, yeah. as good. And he might be better. Next man in at Alabama. You don't want to not be out on the field you don't want to get hurt because you may never get back in yeah that's right so michigan at number four here brad and and uh you know it's going to be interesting um you know they they had the really uh embarrassing loss at wisconsin they had the big win against iowa and uh you said it they're good and they, they're healthy and so uh they, it'll be fun to see if they can make the run and, and stand up and be able be ready to have a big ohio state michigan game so the uh the spread that kind of uh, surprised me a little bit this week is uh it is at at penn state but number seven penn state is favored by nine over number 16 michigan at michigan this is at Penn State. Oh, okay. So, you know, Penn State didn't do a lot offensively against uh, Iowa. I, I know Iowa's got a good defense, but uh, that nine points spread, you know, if I were a betting person, which I'm not. <laughs> I like Michigan. I like Michigan, too. Michigan's linebackers are going to not let their quarterback run. They're fast. And uh, Michigan's defensive line, and they've, they've got one of the top def, uh, one-on-one quarterbacks in the, in the country that just came out. They listed who has the, the best rating of passes thrown against them and, and le- least amount of completions. And, and one of uh, Michigan's cornerbacks is ranked in the top seven in the country. Yeah. And so going back to the spread in the Northwestern Ohio State game, Ohio State favored by 28 and a half. Friday night game at Northwestern. That's a lot of points too. I like Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, I like Northwestern. So we got got Minnesota. Uh, you know, good gracious, Brad. I uh, I'm just having a hard time with this, and I 
I really wanted Nebraska to go up there and, and knock the shine off of uh, Minnesota, but it didn't happen. And, you know, you didn't have a full squad. You didn't have your quarterback. But are they that good? Um, Is Minnesota that good? I sure hope so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not sure that they're that good. And here, here's my issue with that game is that Nebraska's players are big. They're moving a lot of weight. They're strong. Uh, they've got depth at the defensive line. How in the world does that happen? I, I can't figure it out. They're saying that it was uh, technique. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it. Go ask the Christian brothers yeah. from Nebraska yeah. if they ever got beat due to technique. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No. Uh, there's something going on up there funny, but I, I hope that uh, that doesn't continue because that'll be tough to deal with Minnesota rising up. But uh, I think they're going to lose some here going on. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. I, I think they're good, but uh, good receivers. Yeah. They're not going to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't no think that for no one way. second. Number six at Iowa. You know, and as an Iowa fan, at the first few games, you're and you go into Michigan, and we realize, well, we're not as good as we thought we were, and then we've lost two games in a row, and but we're not as bad as we think we are either, Brad. We're just Iowa, and so <laughs> what's going to happen these next couple of games will make a big difference. Can can we get enough momentum? by a couple of wins to go up to Wisconsin and, and give them a game? That's going to be the question. Part of what makes Iowa's defense so good is their offense. Sure. I mean, Iowa's offense plays to make their defense better, but Iowa scored, uh, has, has you know struggled to score some points. So do you open it up a little bit more, yeah. and do, uh, do you try and score more points and put a little bit more pressure on the defense? Yeah. I, I think that that's what Iowa's got to do. Uh, to win some of these uh, against some of these good teams in these tight games. Well, they've got to block interior. They've got to stop uh, pressure up the middle. More to talk about coming up after the break on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome back to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson along with our co-host Brad Moore. And we're going to talk a little bit about college sports roundup, our last section of our show, where we talk about Morningside, uh, Briarcliff, Iowa State, Iowa, and Nebraska. And we could probably just talk a lot of Iowa and Nebraska and try to make ourselves feel better, Brad. But uh, we got to talk a little Morningside uh, and Briarcliff. But let's talk about Morningside, num- ranked rank number one. And you and I had talked about uh, this could be a big game for Morningside with Briarcliff's stellar stellar defense and it would be a measuring stick for Morningside well I guess the stick got measured because uh, Morningside going into the middle of the fourth quarter is up 49 nothing and it had held Briar Cliff to 100 yards crazy crazy game for the uh, Mustangs yeah Morningside the Alabama of the G-Pack you know wow. it just keeps rolling and and you were talking about Dolacek, um, very Trent Salzma-like, yes. don't you think? Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't believe, uh, that's a great comment. And to even think that you could make that statement, that you would say, we'll find another Salzma, no. But he's performing like Salzma. He's accurate, he throws the deep ball well, um, and he, he's he's had to mix it up a little bit. But I think what's helping him a lot is their running game with A.J. Uh, Ponder, he's He's over 3,000 career rushing yards now, and uh, he's the real deal. So I bet you that play action's helping uh, Dolan check quite a bit. Yeah, do you remember in our first episode you you said, uh, you know, Morningside and all the, the weapons they lost, are they going to have to win with defense? <laughs> <laughs> and we actually thought that at one time, but incredible uh, game. You know, Briarcliff has a great defense. They, they forced five turnovers, but just – 
it's hard to hard to hang with Morningside right well, now. Morning, we talked about Briarcliff having a veteran defense of eight returning starters, but you've got seven returning starters at Morningside, and six of them were first team All GPAC performers. So they're showing up every week. Uh, Clayton Ordean, the uh, all, the All first team All GPAC strong safety, led the team in tackles, had one and a half tackles for loss and interception, and he's a he's a player. Uh, he's fun to watch, and um, so anyway. Uh, Brian, you know, they're going to march along. Uh, they got Jamestown this weekend at home and, uh, they should be able to take care of business and then, and kind of channel things towards the end of the season when they got Northwestern. I don't see anybody being in their way till then, Brad. No, no. So let's talk just briefly about the progress of, uh, Briarcliff that, that ended an eight game home win streak yeah. for Briarcliff They're They've got a winning, uh, record four and three, three and two in the G pack. There's progress there. No doubt about it. And that's going to help local recruiting. I think you know the, you got to get some wins going. Now there's interest in any of these local area athletes to say, "Hmm, I might go to the cliff." You know, they got things going on there, and then starting to realize where some spots are that they could dive in and play early. Uh, all those things add up in the recruiting process. But uh, they've done a great job over there, and uh, uh, they're going to be in the upper echelon of the GPAC before the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Morningside volleyball. Um, we have went on the road and, and lost to Concordia, but beat Hastings and then came back home at, and with a big match with Briarcliff and beat them last night, Brad. And that kind of puts them in the driver's seat to be that national host. It's between Briarcliff and Morningside, and uh, Morningside's got a gauntlet of three games coming up. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can pick off one of those three and then win the last two. Uh, Briar Cliff is going to have to really put on a mount uh, at the end of the season to overtake Morningside. Yeah, they definitely need to rebound. So they've lost four in a row. They've had a brutal schedule. They've played twenty, uh, number twenty-two Dort, uh, number two Northwestern, and twenty-five, uh, number twenty-five Morningside in their last five matches. But they have a a brutal road road schedule. I think they play six of seven on the road. Um, they've lost four in a row. They get uh, Jamestown at home. Then back on the road, Hastings and Dakota State. So we'll see if they can rally a little bit. Yeah, welcome to the GPAC. I mean, this uh, conference right now, volleyball-wise, as good as there is in the country. And, uh, and again, the national tournament's always just a, a blast to go watch great volleyball. So uh, Iowa State had another uh, uh, you know, game coming up that's uh, going to be important uh, uh, for them, and, and they're keeping their season going. Matt Campbell, um, it's kind of like everybody was kind of like, oh, my gosh, they were 2-2, two and two, and here they are. Um, putting themselves in position to play some very big games. I think they may have uh, – do they have Texas coming up here pretty soon? I'm not sure who's next on their schedule. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't check their schedule, but they've got a big game coming up with the Texas, I believe, at home, yeah. and that will be an incredible atmosphere. So uh, we'll keep an eye on Iowa State and get some intel on them from uh, uh, Chad and uh, uh, my, my nephew Cody's uh, Cyclone Secrets. I want to just give you a little bit of my thoughts on Iowa and uh, – Nate Stanley, we talked about Stanley, we talked about Iowa. What did I say in my thoughts that if we were 6-0 and right now, I would think Stanley would be completing over 65% of his passes and the running game would be averaging at least 4.5 yards. Stanley's not doing that, and the running game is now at 4.1. And if you look at the last two games, it was paltry three or less. You cannot win at Iowa football with that. But it also uh, speaks to this total team thing. So everybody's like, well, Stanley this, Stanley that. Well, listen, if you're getting pressure up the middle, Brad, you and a quarterback, 
it, it's that's the two things that have happened is that defensive tackles have dominated the play and pressure up the middle is an incredible thing and it's difficult for offenses to deal with yeah that's the one place where you can't have pressure for a quarterback you need to be able to step up right. make the reads and make the throws even though he's a tall quarterback it's still um, pressure up the middle is it's an absolute killer to a yeah. quarterback and it just creates uh, un uneasiness so he doesn't get a chance to set his feet he misses the slant you don't step into your throws he missed the slant behind Smith um, but at the same time he's still made a lot of great throws you know and uh, and and I was right there you know but uh, it, it's such a crazy game and uh, Iowa had a couple of injuries their middle linebacker went out and then the fourth quarter when they needed to make a stop uh, he wasn't in there, and Penn State ran the clock out. And, uh, you know, it's all those things. doesn't mean that Iowa would have ran down the, the field, but they had got, gotten themselves back in position. So. They got the ball back, and I thought there was, there was a chance they yeah. were going to mount yeah. that last drive. Oh, anyway, it's, uh, it'll be fun. It's Purdue this weekend, and, uh, you know, the defensive backs better be ready for the Hawks because uh, Purdue will take some shots and throw the ball downfield. But uh, I look for Iowa to bounce back this weekend. Yeah, so I got back from uh, Omaha in time to uh, set up my, my TVs. I, you know, I had a TV. I set up another TV so I could watch Iowa and Nebraska at the same time. And, you know, I kicked back. I think kickoff was around 6.30 or 7, yeah. and I thought, is this the greatest time of year? Yeah, it, it is. is. Oh, it is. And here's the funny thing. You get, you know, I think the the college athletes get something like a 24-hour rule. I think that's the thing. You win. It's the new thing. Yeah. It's the thing. You win, you go enjoy it, and then we go back to work. And it's even with a loss. You get 24 hours to feel sorry for yourself and more, and then you come back to work. And, you know, Ference always speaks to what happens on Monday and how teams respond of getting knocked down. And he almost seems to like it. Mm -hmm. And he's all about culture and, and, and uh, you know, and as fans, it's almost like the same thing. Sunday, we're like, no, we're negative and this and that. And then Monday, it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, we're ramping up. Hey, we flush that. There's a lot to play for yet. And it's just the ebbs and flows and emotion of, of football and being a sports fan. And I, it's a great, great experience. I and, love it. And we've all had 20, 21 year old kids and, oh. and we know what their, uh, you know, their, the ups and downs and their emotions. And it's all about me. Imagine the great work that goes on within those football teams oh. to get them all focused, yeah. refocused. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, I, you know, I thought was really cool is what Penn State did. You know, I don't know if you saw that a Penn State fan had written a letter about the dreadlocks of one of their players and how it was really a very, very um, uh, disconcerting letter. You know, it just did not, it wasn't written well. And, and this guy stood up as a player and just said, hey, you know, uh, that's okay. I pray for you. And, and I think that uh, you need to think of things differently. The whole team rallies. And I think Franklin, the coach, might have said it best. You know, in the locker room, it's not about color. It's not about, you know, religion. It's not about what your hair is like. We're one unit as a team. And, and sometimes we can use uh, college sports to kind of teach us a little bit about the way we should be acting out there. And, you know, that's what we mentioned about the healing kids, too, is uh, what experience can you take away from this, uh, from this season? How can you turn it around? It's a great opportunity, great coaching moments for those coaches and I know Roger and Pat Grace and the rest of that staff will do a great job and those kids will uh, be better off for it. Coach uh, Jim Hirschberger, legendary BV football, used to always say uh, every week, seniors, you got four games left. 
Seniors, you got three games left. Seniors, you got two games left. You know, and they'll never play this game again. And it always just was a very, very cool way to kind of set the stage for the game coming up and go out, have a blast, enjoy it. And, uh, you know, and then you'll have a lot of great members. And the old guys like you and I, what we would give to play another high school football oh, yeah. game. To do it again. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun again talking next week. Um, we'll catch up on Siouxland Sports and, and uh, Big Ten football, and it's going to be time to start talking basketball. Morningside's got a scrimmage coming up next week, and they've already been practicing, Briarcliff's practicing. I saw the news on them. They're going to be fun to watch again. And uh, we hope everybody will join us again next week on our show, and we thank those for listening. It's Two Guys in a Conversation, signing off, Steve Ferguson and Brad Moore.